Oh, man. Well, did everybody enjoy your opportunities for solitude with the Lord this past week? I know, right? We talk about it on Sunday, and the next thing you know, you've got plenty of time uh, without your electronic devices uh, at your fingertips, for those of you that were at power without power for any length of time, and uh, uh, at least long enough to where your power banks ran out of energy, and your backup power bank ran out of energy, and your backup to the backup power bank ran out of You know what I'm saying? Because we, anyway, this is what we do, right? Uh, but, you know, it's, it's crazy to me uh, how we definitely had plenty of opportunities this last week to call upon the name of our Lord when life is hard. And, uh, and when we're not alone in that, everybody else is experiencing similar difficulties, and, uh, and we get the chance to lean in, uh, lean into our Heavenly Father. We get to lean into one another, and, uh, and we get to call on the name of our Lord together. And so I hope that you captured the opportunity. You know, obviously, we can get into survival mode and uh, all of that. Uh, we can get into that pretty quick when we're in last week. Um, and it was in that very moment when things are burning hottest. That's what we talk about. That's the time to steal away and get some solitude with the Lord, clear your mind, hear from God, and see God sustain you and move you into the next season. It looks like this next week, man, we're going to be back where it's like nothing changed. Nothing ever happened other than the PTSD from the last three years you know, is going to be with us for a little bit longer. Uh, but, you know, as the power returns to all of our areas, please continue to pray for our Thrall campus because that most of that community is still without power. Uh, and so we want to definitely be thinking of them and uh, in ways that uh, Pastor Clint's going to let me know, ways that perhaps maybe we can come alongside them uh, during this time of need as they're waiting on power to come back. And uh, and so, so yeah, so uh, we'll continue to give this, to the Lord and trust God with the outcome. Uh, just make sure you don't let life return to normal too quick. And, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't forsake what happened this last week and ask God, you know, what he's teaching, what he's showing to us um, throughout all that happened for sure. You know, this next Sunday, uh, we get to eat nachos and we get to do desserts and we get to do all these kind of things, all centered around this game that a lot of the world just stops in order to watch. And it's only fitting that I have a pre-Super Bowl, like, beginning of my message tonight, just to get us kind of in the mood, because anybody uh, ready for Philadelphia to win this thing next week? Oh, we got some birds in the room, huh? Okay, so anybody ready for some Chiefs to win this thing next week? It's kind of crazy, huh? We're going to have some fun this next week. We actually have some teams that people are very interested in being in the Super Bowl, and uh, and so so uh, or the big game, excuse me, and uh, and so very excited about getting to to share that. One thing that's so intriguing to me when you watch a really really good quarterback, which we've got two amazing quarterbacks that are leading these two teams. What's amazing to me is if you will watch them next week. They will release the football. It will be in the air before the receiver ever even makes his cut and turns around to catch the ball. They don't have eye contact. They don't necessarily know where each other are, but they know where each other are supposed to be. And the quarterback calls the play. The receiver, as long as the receiver runs the route in the way the receiver is supposed to run the route, the quarterback will throw the ball where the receiver is supposed to be in order to catch the ball. If the receiver chooses to run a different route, at best, it's an incomplete pass. At worst, it's an interception. The other team gets the ball. They now, they now they go down and try to score. But you've got this relationship between a quarterback and a receiver that really 
in a lot of ways, by design, God helps us to see God is our quarterback, we as the receiver, and God will lead us where we're supposed to be, even though we haven't even made the turn that direction yet. And as long as we're listening to the Lord along the way, he'll lead us where we need to go in order for us to catch the ball, the ball of life, and be able to lead us into victory. This is what God does. He calls us to trust him. Calls us to to trust in him and to know that where he's leading us will lead us where we need to go. You know, today we're... um, we're starting a new series that we've entitled Waiting on God, which some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I stink at waiting. This is that whole patience thing. You know, you don't pray for patience because then God gives you opportunities to exercise your patience and things like that. Well, that is indeed what we're talking about, where we're waiting on God. And, uh, and so we're going to go through four different times in Scripture where people, rather than waiting on God, They went their own way and what the results of that were. And so we're going to see the the high and low of all of this. And of course, we filter it through our own experience when we've gone our own way versus when we've gone the way of the Lord. But tonight, we're going to begin with the Abraham narrative. This is the Abraham-Sarah narrative, or as we're going to read tonight, this is before the name change. And so they are Abram and Sarai. And so we're going to spend time talking about this, but here's our truth for tonight. God's timing requires our patience. God's got to be able to lead us where we need to go. We got to trust God that his timing, the timing of that pass, the timing of that will and that way requires our patience. It requires us to run the route that God has given us to run. So here's the question that you all know is coming. How well do you do waiting on the Lord? Just in your own reality, how well do you do waiting on God to act? Tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16, and we'll cover verses 1 through 16 uh, in part of the narrative of the Abraham-Sarah narrative. Now, if if we kind of context while you're getting to Genesis 16, Genesis 12 is when Abraham is given the covenant This is where Abraham is told he's going to have descendants that are going to um, be more numerous than the sand on the seashore. He's going to to have this this legacy, this generational impact on this earth that is just mind-blowing. He's given this in Genesis 12, and by the time we are in the chapter we're reading tonight, what's happened is uh, 11 years have passed, and Abraham and Sarah still have no babies. They still have no kids. So he receives this promise from God. And 11 years later, they're still waiting. You know, this is a story that there are many of you that have experienced, not necessarily the child side of things. Some of you, the child side of things. Some of you, it's you've been waiting on God to do something in your life professionally with your, your medical health, with your, your, um, your, your uh, thought process and all that kind of stuff. You've been waiting on the Lord to do something in your life for years and years and years, and then he came through. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're still waiting on God. Maybe you are at nine years. Maybe you're at 11 years. Maybe you're at 15 years. Maybe you're at seven days, five days. 
one day, whatever the case may be, and your patience is declining. See, this story that we're going to read tonight, it's the story that Abraham and Sarah find themselves in. The worst part about this story is that it's been so long now that Sarah actually believes she's not included in God's promise. In Genesis 16, Sarah has given up hope, and she believes she is not included in God's promise. She believes that God, rather than pouring his blessing out, she believes that God is actually keeping her from having a child. It's a devastating reality, and this story has a ton of really sad elements. The most sad, though, the more potent sad element is that she's just not included in God's promise. This is huge. And so Abraham and Sarah decide something together. They decide to run a different route than God has called them to run. We pick that up there in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, or Sarah and Abraham, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord's kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So the plan that they have formulated, their ability to create God's promise, to manufacture God's promise in their own life, was for them to go a different way. Rather than what God said was for Abraham and Sarah, they decided to do things differently. And so since Hagar belongs to Sarah, since Hagar belongs to Sarah, the child that Hagar would bear would also belong to Sarah. And so she tells Abraham to go the own way, trying to manufacture God's promise instead of waiting on God. Now, interestingly enough, the immediate result is conception. It's the immediate result. It would seem as if God has answered the prayer. God has answered the prayer. This is a perceived victorious moment in Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah's life. This must have been God's way that he really meant, because now Abraham is going to have a son, and Sarah too is going to have a son. The immediate result is conception, perceived victory, but the long-term result is trial and tribulation. What seemed to be victorious, really the result is trial and tribulation. We pick it up in verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai's wife took her Egyptian slave and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress, Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And so almost instantaneously, Sarah regrets her decision, because remember, this was her idea. Sarah regrets her decision, and she becomes very angry with Abraham and Hagar. So what this conception initially, I mean, it's, it all seems like this is it. 
And because they went their own way, things took a really, really difficult turn. And then it gets even worse. Because then Abraham gives Sarah full reign to do whatever she wants to with Hagar and the child. And so what does Sarah decide to do? Make it even worse. She begins to mistreat Hagar. She mistreats Hagar so badly that Hagar escapes and she flees away from Sarah. She puts her life, her child's life, in danger because it was even better than staying where she was with Sarah, the one who had been the recipient of a promise of God. This is a terrible story. It's absolutely sad, terrible story. But in the way that God works, when we go our own way and we don't go God's way, he doesn't give up on us, does he? Check out what God did. This is a very pretty, pretty cool moment. Beginning in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. You know what that means? She escaped. She's running away. Abraham and Sarah are the ones that received the blessing. Hagar is a byproduct. And then you have Ishmael, the son, which we're going to get to in just a moment, that is the result of Abraham and Sarah going their own way. Hagar is running. She's gone. Nobody knows where she is. And God goes after her. Because that's what God does. When we go our own way, whether we're an innocent bystander of the situation or not, God comes after us. And God pursues. And so the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, let me ask you a question I already know the answer to, but I'm really good at asking questions I already know the answer to, so let me ask you a question. He says, where have you come from? (laughs) Like he's just interested to know. Where have you come from, and where are you going? Now that's a good question. Where are you going, Hagar? I'm running away. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress. Can you believe the angel of the Lord said, go back into that situation? Interesting. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. A lot of times we sacrifice a lot for our heavenly father. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they too will be numerous to count. Now, does not that sound so similar to the promise that God gave Abraham and Sarah. And now Hagar, the slave, is getting the similar promise that God gave Abraham and Sarah. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you're now pregnant, you're going to give birth to a son. God, the sonogram guy. You're going to give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. For sure, and he sure sure became one. Wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. So this isn't rainbows and unicorns here. This This is tough. 
he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. But you have a son. His name is Ishmael. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. This is the the name that she said. God, you see me. In all of my reality, you see me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And this is why the well that, was, that is called not beer, but Be'er Lahai Roi is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son he had born. Abram was, exa- was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Horrible story. People who were God's people, choosing to do things that God never wanted them to do. Sound familiar? But guess what we learn from this story? What we learn from this story is that when people go our own, their own way, it doesn't remove the mercy of God. This is good news, everybody. Because when we go our own way, it doesn't remove the mercy of God. Thank goodness. Because everybody in this room is guilty of going your own way at some point or another in your life. Every one of us. And thanks be to God, that doesn't preclude us from from receiving the mercy of God. That that doesn't mean that we are now, that that God's now going to give us what we actually deserve. No, we still are getting what we don't deserve. That's his grace. We still are not getting what we do deserve. That's his mercy. When people go their own way, It doesn't remove the mercy of God. This is an important understanding that comes from this this story. Because God treats Hagar and her son with great grace. Now that story goes on to tell a really interesting story moving forward that we don't have time for tonight. But what he also did was he provided a blessing for her too. And... He provided Abraham a son. He provided Sarah in that day and age a son. Nobody deserved any of that. Man, the way God does mercy, grace, even when we go our own way. Now, throughout this series, Waiting on God, two things are going to become really, really clear to all of us. Number one, when you go your own way, things don't go well, period, right? When you go your own way, they don't go well. They may seem like it for a little while. (laughs) It may seem like things are good. But when you are not in the will of God, your life will be upside down until you are. When you go your own way, things will not go well. And secondly, you can't mess things up so much that God abandons his plans or breaks his promises with you. Look at these two statements. These are major statements for everybody here on this earth. We have to understand this is the God that we serve. The God that has unconditional love. The God that has standards for our life. And the God that longs for us to live by those standards. And when we don't, God continues to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And thanks be to God for that. So here's the question I repeat tonight. How well do you handle waiting on God? How well do you do 
whenever you are asking for something and you're wondering how God's going to answer, if God's going to answer, what's going to happen, if you really just need to just go and do it yourself or whatever the case may be, how do you handle waiting on God to act? Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel stuck in the waiting. Maybe you feel stuck in this moment and you're just waiting on God to act, but, but man, you've been in that job for a really long time. And it feels like a dead-end job, and you're like, man, I've been trying to get a job somewhere else. I've been trying to move on. I've been trying to do all this kind of thing. And I can't, I can't believe that in this job market, I can't find a better job than I currently have. Well, don't sit there and think that God's not working while you're waiting. Maybe you're in a place where your life has been defined by a negative thought pattern for as long as you can remember. You gravitate towards the bad. You gravitate towards the dark. You, 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 you see things as all the things that could go wrong rather than the things that could go right. And this has been something that's plagued you most of your life. Maybe this is where you are and you feel stuck in that pattern. Or maybe you find yourself that you've got a physical reality going on that there's physical pain, maybe there's, maybe there's a health complication in some sort. You've just been asking the Lord to free you from that or release you from that. And you've been waiting on God to do that for years or maybe just for a couple weeks or whatever, but the pain is still there. And you feel stuck in this. You're trying to think, is this just going to be the rest of my life? And you're waiting on God. You feel stuck. Here's a phrase I heard recently. While you're waiting, God is still working. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Hear that. While you're waiting, God is still working. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. It's important for us to wrap our minds. Here's Abraham and Sarah. 11 years, man. They're getting older in life. It's like, Lord, that, that biological clock is ticking. Let's do this thing, man. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And that's why there's a phrase that I learned during Rachel's bouts with cancer. And it's, the phrase was, don't waste your cancer. But here's the phrase, don't waste your waiting. Don't be sitting there waiting and just waste it. If you're, looking for, if you're, you're hoping for a job, Man, do the job you're in right now to the very best of your ability. Honor the Lord by the way that you do everything with excellence. Go above and beyond. Serve your boss. Serve your subordinates. Take care of your team. Do all the things you do, even though you can't stand your job and your boss is a jerk. Do everything you can, all right? Meanwhile, go to school. Meanwhile, get your resume out there. If you don't have a good resume, we got people in the church who can help you build a really good resume. Build a good resume. Get it out there. And all the while, you're trusting God to bring that right job. So you're not just sitting back, waiting, and doing nothing. No, you're not wasting, you're waiting. If you got this negative thought pattern, man, it's time for you to set alarms to capture those thoughts. It's time for you to, to pray and actively take your thoughts captive, to spend more and more and more time in what we know as the good news, not just because that sounds good, but we really believe it really is the good news of God. And as we read it, we begin to think on what's pure, holy, blameless, upright, praiseworthy, excellence. We begin to think on those things because that's what God longs for us to think on. And the Lord begins to change our thoughts, begins to change our hearts. And so we're not wasting the waiting. 
until God is able to free us if we're ever freed from any type of chemical thing going on in our bodies. We may never be, but we can capture thoughts. Don't waste the waiting. Let God renew your mind so you can test and approve God's will. And if it's your health, keep praying and take care of yourself. Go to the doctor. Take your supplements. Get some exercise. Eat better. All those kinds of things. We don't waste our waiting. When we're asking God to do what God's going to do with our bodies, we don't waste our waiting. Remember, please don't confuse what I'm saying with your responsibility is to manufacture or produce God's results. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't just sit back while you're waiting on something physical to happen, but you won't go to the doctor to find out what's really going on. Go to the doctor. Find out what's really going on and allow the Lord to work in every capacity. It's not your job to manufacture. It's not your job to produce God's outcome. God's working. While you wait, don't waste your waiting. Now, maybe you find yourself in this moment now and you're like, well, Danny, here's the deal. I have clearly already gone my own way. So now what? I've already gone my own way and things are not working out well and I'm stuck. I have no idea what to do in this moment of my life because life is simply a train wreck. Upside down is a mild way of saying it. Here is the question that you gotta wrap your mind around. Have you accepted and have you received the truth that there is nothing you will do that will make God love you any less? That right there, you gotta get that in your head. There is nothing you will do that will make God love you any less. So in other words, you haven't done anything bad enough to where God holds his mercy back from you. You haven't done anything bad enough to where God holds his grace back from you. You can't do anything bad enough. God will pour out and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Have you received this? See, this isn't just a phrase that we say in our church. It's a cool phrase. It sounds good. Looks good on t-shirts, postcards, all those kinds of things. But we actually believe this. Do you believe this? Do you believe that there is nothing you will do that will make God love you any less? Because you got to capture that one. God pours out mercy still when you go your own way. It's why he sent Jesus to this earth. He sent Jesus to this earth to remove sin and shame, to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can go the way that God intended. And all the while, the Lord's gonna work through whatever ways we go to work out for the good all of those who love him. This is not just things we read in scripture. This is the truth. This is real. This is the truth. Have you trusted Jesus with your life? Really, really? Or are there things that are still rocking you today that you wish wouldn't rock you, but you're still trying to figure out, is heaven really guaranteed when I accept Jesus? Or you're trying to figure out you know, what life is supposed to be like here on this earth when you accept Jesus as Savior and 
how does this really play out? The question is, have you trusted Jesus with your life yet? Maybe in this room going, yeah, Danny, I've trusted Jesus a long time ago, and I went my own way, and things are still upside down. I'm still trying to figure things out, but yet you keep repeating the cycle. You know the cycle. Man, Lord, if you let me out of this, I'll never do this again. <laughs> never, ever. And then, bam, it's, you're freed, and then you do it again. And that, Are you finished? You done beating your head against that wall? Because that wall is hard, and it's not going anywhere. When we go our own way, Jesus follower or not, it's not going to go well. Jesus follower, you at least have the Spirit in you to tell you, hey, not a good idea. There's another way to go. If you've yet to trust Jesus in your life, the Spirit longs to come and be a part of you and show you the way to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Are you finished beating your head against the wall? Well, here's what it comes down to. God's timing requires our patience. And so while we wait, we work. While we wait, we, we do everything we can the way God made us to, um, to do what we need to do in order to not waste the waiting. And when we're patient and when we run our route, God will lead us exactly where we need to go, resulting in victory as defined by God. That's an important piece of the puzzle. Father, we love you. And uh, Lord, here we are uh, in this timing thing where we are waiting on you and we're trusting you. And, uh, and Lord, there are things that it's hard to trust you with. But Lord, we know that your word is true and we trust you with your word. And Lord, we, we know that your will is that things go well with us. And Lord, we know that the way you've made us is to love you and to love people. Lord, as we do all of that, Lord, there's this sin rears its ugly head in our life and selfishness does too, and we tend to do what we want to do. And so, Lord, in this moment, Lord, on behalf of all of us, Lord, we want to just say, please forgive us. Forgive us for going our own way. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for not withholding your mercy or your grace when we go our own way. Father, I pray that you will be in and through us. And Lord, as we answer the question, how well do we do waiting on you? Lord, I pray that you will paint the picture. And whatever our circumstances are that we may be waiting on now, or Lord, whatever the celebration story is that we can tell over and over and over again of our waiting and then the finished product that you've created and, and, and how we've continued to be able to wait and see the product and wait and see the product. And Lord, we have story after story after story to share of the way you've come through. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself and you would shine your light and Lord, you would help us to see you and Lord, you would help us to see your way that produces the outcome where you want us to go. And Lord, we also really want what our dreams are to be your dreams. So Lord, may we delight ourselves in you so much so that Lord, your desires become our desires and therefore you give us the desires of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen. A few questions just during this time of response. We're going to sing this song. And uh, we're going to stand on this foundation of God and we're going we're gonna to stand in a way that is 
that's real and present and available to everybody. We're going to tell the stories and all that kind of stuff. But first of all, first question, have you received this truth that there's nothing you will do that will make God love you any less? And what I mean by that is, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord first and foremost? If that answer is no, tonight's your night. That's where it all begins, just giving our lives to Jesus. After that, you got to wrestle through the whole God loving us any more or less, depending upon what we do. But just please understand, there literally is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Will you receive that tonight? Will you just close your eyes and while we're singing this song, will you let God just tell you it's the truth? That's not just something that we preach. It's not just something that we proclaim. It's the truth. And what that doesn't mean is you get to go and do whatever you want to do because God's going to love you anyway. No, what it means is God's going to love you and he longs for you to go the way that is best, which is his way. And so have you trusted him with that? If you've trusted him with that, how well are you doing waiting on God? What a great question. You probably already know the answer to it, but during this response time, great question to ask God. How am I doing? How am I doing, Lord? Waiting on you. And then let God tell you. He's not going to shame you. He's not going to try to make you feel bad about yourself. He's going to help you know where you are and help you know how to do better because that's what God does. And so will you take just a few moments during this response, you know, maybe the words to this song we're about to sing are the very words you need to proclaim to the Lord. And that's the perfect response of God speaking. You're hearing these words while you're praying and all of a sudden it's like, that's my response to you, God. If that's the case, stand to your feet, sing, and respond. If you need to move, Elders are in the back. I'm going to be over here. If you need to move and go talk to somebody about this, move and go talk to somebody about this. If there's somebody in the room that you'd rather talk to about this, go across the room and talk to them. Bottom line is, don't leave tonight without responding and encountering the truth that we receive from God. Let's stand to our feet and let's respond together.